Sabah Yasmin, Sabah Khair. I'm very happy this morning we have a very special guest, Chef Bobby Chin. Bobby is half Egyptian, half Chinese American. He's left his mark on a lot of the restaurant scene. He was restaurant owner, a bit all over the world. He animated fantastic cooking shows and he's judged cooking competition shows. Bobby, thank you for being with us. Ahlam Sahlam. Ahlam Sahlam. Bit Laham. In Palestine. Let's start from the beginning, Bobby. You came to Palestine and you filmed a food show here. How was it? Yeah, I came before. We 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 instigated uh, Arab Spring. You could see it coming. Allah Azim, you could see it coming. And so um, we're 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 filming. Um, uh, World Cafe, who did two seasons, mostly in Asia. It's called World Cafe Asia. And they say, where would you like to go next? I said, I thought about it. You know where I really wanted to go? I want to go to Latin America. Because Latin America is so far away from everything, right? And I want to go, you know, see a football match in Brazil, Argentina, you know, Chile, uh, Peru. Yeah, that's what my heart really wanted. My brain wanted it. But then a part of me, felt that I should go to the Middle East because I think Arabs have very bad PR. Every single time I see an Arab on the press, uh, they're pissed off. They're angry, right? You never see them happy, laughing, smiling in Western news programs. Yeah. And so I told the people at Discovery, I said, why don't you send me the Middle East? Like, the Middle East? Really? I was like, yeah, I think I could do a show in the Middle East. Um, uh, and they got to the production company. And the production company would like to go like to send you to any place with cheap flights, with cheap hotel rooms, any place that would be reasonable, you know what I mean? And nobody was really traveling to the Middle East. Um, and so that's what got us there. And I said, you know, I want to show that I get the humor of, of, of Arabs, of, of, of people, Middle Eastern culture, you know? Um, and I feel I can relate to them off of camera, um, which will make them seem uh, uh, more natural when the camera's eventually turned on because I watch a lot of shows and the person doesn't seem like they're very relaxed, you know, because no. they might know the policies of their country to this region, you know, so they might, you know, take it personally or something where I feel like I could do something really, you know, a little different. So that's what got us in the Middle East. I mean, uh, in Syria, you sensed it, you know, you just felt it, you know, the, there was an incident that happened with our driver and um, he didn't know I spoke Arabic, you know, and he was talking about us. And, you know, I was like, whoa. So eventually I had to tell him, you know, about his dick yaddy. And um, yeah, and then, you know, Egypt wasn't easy filming either, you know. Everywhere we went, this is a guy coming right out of like the crops of the farmland. You know, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, secret police start coming up out of nowhere, you know, with like forms and they're like, hey, 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 get the permits out. You know, where's our fixer? Um, There was no, you could feel that there was something not right and the tension, 
you know, the, the, the steam was coming out of the pressure cooker. And how was Palestine? You, because you did come to, to Palestine and you spent um, quite a while in filming. It was your first time coming here, was it? Taban. Who goes to Philistine? People were all shocked when I showed up. You know, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> so I had a problem going in. Um, when I said I was going to go film in, uh, in Israel, uh, my family says, no, you're not. You're, like, you are, you're not going there. You're not flying there. Unless that would be Muslim. And I was like, well, how can I promote the food of the Palestinians if I don't go? I'm like, okay, well, you can go, but you can't go uh, you can't go to Tel Aviv. You can only go in the West Bank. I said, Khalas, I'll go to the West Bank. So I told my producer, I said, look, at, um, I can't fly to Tel Aviv. I mean, when you can't fly to Tel Aviv? I said, I got a problem flying to Tel Aviv, you know? <laughs> I mean, why would I fly to Tel Aviv? They, they think I'm a spy or something like that. No, 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 no Tel Aviv for me. And then my mother freaked me out beforehand. She says, what happens when they ask you what your mother's maiden name is? Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> you know? They, sh they threw Ashraf Marwan out of a building in London. They killed a guy from the PLO in Dubai. I said, geez, you're right. So I started getting really freaky, freaked out about it. So anyway, so I fly, to, uh, I fly from uh, Cairo to Amman. What's that, a 30-minute flight, 45-minute flight? They lost my luggage. Oh, and God. So, um, so I, I, I called the production team. I'm like, look, they lost my luggage. And like, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. They're trying to trace it. So, you know, I'm at the airport. I'm like, okay. They say, Bobby, if you don't get here um, immediately in the next two hours, um, they're going to give your show to the other host. So the production company I worked with was Pilot Production, and they had a, um, a young lady that filmed the Israeli territories. The, uh, uh, she did the whole, the whole Jewish side. And then they separated the show for me to do the um, – the West Bank. And so um, I, 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 I leave, I leave, uh, I leave, um, I leave Egypt. Um, I'm at the, I have two passports. So I've got my uh, Syrian media uh, visa, which is not so easy to get, right? Because they want to make sure that they're going to make sure that you're going to behave and all that stuff. And you yeah. can't get those very easily. And that's in my American passport. But I also have a New Zealand passport, which I've never used before. So I'm going to use it for the first time. And so um, I explained this to the, to the immigration in Jordan. I said, I'm now going to rush to, the, uh, to, to, to cross the border. So I cross on the King Hussein Bridge. They ex stamp my, my, my passport. Ties VIP. Well, I said, Stanna. I stand a lay. I melted passport. Aslan. I roh. Lala. The smoke and temptation in Hanel. The autobus there is totally packed. I'm not going to wait for everybody else. I said, Lala. VIP. Have the production company. It's fine. So again, the VIP. It's fine. Well, he's the head of Ernst & Young, or he works for Ernst & Young, uh, speaks English like my American. And he said, first time? I said, oh, your first time? No, no, I'm going to say, you have to do the mission. It's not easy. He said, no, no, no. And then, 
قلت له انت جاي لاول مره قلت له اه قلت له طب انت جاي من فين؟ قلت له انا نص مصري نص الصيني طلبت في نيوزيلاند عندي باسبور امريكاني بس داخل هنا بالنيوزيلندي عشان عندي الفيزا بتاعت السيريانز عامل تمثاليه على الاكل بقبل لخبطه خالص بيز لوك ات مي اند 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 وير درايفنج اند هي سيز تو مي جست يو نو جست دونت ليت ذيم نو يور ان عرب And that's why I use my New Zealand passport because my American passport has so many uh, stamps with the um, with the uh, uh, coming into Egypt, and there'll be a lot more questions asked. And so, you know, I'm now seeing Israel for the first time. Um, I see the Star of David and the flag waving and barbed wire fence with floodlights shooting on me in a desert. And I'm thinking, I just made a really stupid mistake. I'm scared. You know, I'm scared for who I am. All right. And that you know something could happen to me now, and so anyway, I get out, and then um, you know I do the VIP thing, and the guy tells me so. Whatever you do, don't let them know you're an Arab. But he's not the first one to tell me that. The production people told me that. More fixers, the Palestinian fixer says, don't let them know you're an Arab. And I felt, I felt, I felt a little. I felt like I like should I feel disgraced? What do you mean? Don't let them know who I am. Let, that's going to be a problem. And so I get there and then I do the VIP service and I'm put in a private room and then I'm summoned to this beautiful woman. She's like, you know, she's wearing a Donna Karen crepe black wool suit and, you know, a shirt without a bra. I mean, Mr. B.I. coming from Cairo, I'll tell you that much, you know. And, um, and then she says, where are you from? I said, well, I'm from New Zealand, of course. Look at me. You know, I got a New Zealand passport. But your last name says Chin. I said, that's because my Chinese father fell in love with an anorexic Mari without the tattoos. Joking. <laughs> he says, anorexic Mari? So I start doing the haka. I spread my legs like a sumo wrestler. I slap him twice. I slap my arms twice. And I start, you know, doing the Mick Jagger lip thing, you know, you know with the tongue. And she thinks I'm a freak. And so... Uh, She questions me a little bit more. Never asked me about my mother. Uh, same thing happened with the Eastern European lady. Um, no, she was, uh, she, was from, um, she was from Ethiopia. Um, and every single time they started getting personal with me, I got personal with them. I said, you want to know everything about me, but I know nothing about you. How did you come here? You know? And I turned into, like, you know, I don't look like your average terrorist, sorry. You know, I don't think that, you know, I'm a threat to the society here, right? Then I get the Eastern European lady. She asks me, And then she basically stamps my passport. She says, if you're an international traveling chef, why is it that your passport only has one stamp? Ooh. Oh, yeah. And then I was like, hold on one second. And then I pull out all these letters from the Ministry of Tourism where I was invited by the Israeli government to promote tourism. And so I said, because I've been invited here and my other passport's an American passport and I have a stamp to film in Syria. And so she stamps my passport and then I get out and then I start to experience the life of a Palestinian immediately. Well, I already experienced it already, but now it's like in my face, you know? So I was like, okay, well, give me a taxi. I'm a taxi, hundred dollars, hundred dollars, hundred dollars from here to the, it's only like 150 meters. I'll walk. She says, you can't walk. I said, I'll walk like I'm Jesus. I'll walk to Jerusalem if I have to. They're like, no, 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 you can't. It's a military demilitarized zone. So you can't. I said, okay, then, Um, I'm not taking the bus. I'll take the van. And he says, you can't take the van until the van's packed. 
I said, the production company will pay for an unpacked van for 12 seats. And anyone that's here now on the bus, they can get off the bus and they can leave with me now. And that's what I did. And then I got there. And then after that, when I saw my team, I'm like, what the fuck is this place? Who does this shit? Don't let them know you're an Arab. What the fuck? So anyway, so it really upset me. And then somehow as artists, um, there was something about us that just said, we're going to do the greatest show. Um, and I think we are the, my, my favorite show, the show that I felt was one of my proudest would have been the show on the West Bank. But what we shot was not really put on screen. Some of it was. Uh, and, and we really wanted to do a great show. That was our, our mission. We wanted to do a show. And, and there's no way you do a show on, 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 on Palestine without the Arab-Israeli conflict. Um, and we had to do that, you know, quietly. But they kept on changing it. I mean, like, the post-production was like, you can't do this. You're not going to do that. And there was a, the opening shot. This, you know when you do something, like when you make a dish and you just know it's perfect? Like that mm -hmm. was the best version I've done. You just know it. You can feel it. You sense it. You know, you taste it. And that's, you can confirm it with taste, but you just felt it from the very beginning. There was some passion, some, some divine intervention that made it all just work even better than before. And um, the first take of our show was only supposed to be a walking shot. And he had these crossings of, you know, Hasidics uh, with uh, uh, Palestinians um, and, you know, in, 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 their, in their outfits. And that's kind of like a very, it's, it's not a, a common sight for most people. And so the director is like 100 meters away and he's telling me by indicating me like walk, walk. I'm like, and I have a microphone on. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to walk. I'm going to talk. He says, I don't need you to talk. And he's like, no, 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 just walk. I'm like, no, I'm going to talk. I've got something to say. And, and it wasn't really that profound or anything. Um, but it was more just keeping in line with who I am and what I, and, and my character. And I started to walk. And as I got closer to the camera, you know, I would talk about the conflict and then I turned my head cause I'm running out of space. And I said, you know, there's been, there's been, you know, I can't remember what I said. It's something similar to what's on, on the show, but I said, this should be fun. Not that anyone goes to Palestine that's non-Palestinian, that sits there and thinks that doesn't have the world view of, you know, of the, of the, of the hardship. But I knew that I would find fun in Palestine. And when I turned it in, um, he looked at me, the director is like shocked. He's like, that was great. Did you get it? Did you get it? And he's looking at the sound man, got it. Let me see it. And we see it and we all start giving high fives. And that set the tone. And that was my, I don't know, I think it was like my, my, my great piece of work that never was seen by anybody. That, but that, that is very important because really, you know, as you said, we are not portrayed abroad except in the eyes of the conflict. And my experience in the last five years, I've, I've opened my restaurant five years ago and my guest house, and we've been lucky to host quite a bit of, you know, interesting, fun people. Um, we've hosted quite a bit of chefs, but also worked with the media. And what I realized is people only want to look at us in the eyes of the conflict. So what you did and that, that very simple sentence, this is going to be fun, is, is really what it is about. You travel because you want to have fun and you want to discover a culture and you want to find out things. 
But I'm just going to tell you and reassure you because I'm, I'm sure you've been told this a million times since then. What happened to you at the border is just normal, everyday Palestinian life. My father was born in India to Palestinian parents. When we traveled together, I was born in Bethlehem. At the border, the Israeli control just look at us and they're like, huh, can you explain? Like, why you come from actually a family that's, that's extremely diverse. Your mother is Egyptian, your father is Chinese-American, you were born in New Zealand. Like, the world has changed. And sadly, when people look at us, Palestinians, they just look at us under one stereotype, which is like, you have to have been born in Bethlehem, in Palestine, you've never traveled, you don't have a rich history, whether it's in terms of cuisine or in terms of family. When you challenge this by being who you are, yeah, you, sh you should say you're an Arab. And you should say, you're, you know, you're, not only are you an Arab, but you're also, I mean, this would have complicated you crossing the bridge maybe, but you're also the, the grandson of a fantastic Arab who's, who's contributed a lot to the history of his country. Um, like, yeah, that, that's this whole thing, you know, memnoor, memnoor, like this is not allowed and this is not allowed and you can't move. is really impacting what we do. But then you have this fantastic talent, which is, and that comes across whether it's in your business ventures, whether it's in your shows, is you're extremely positive all the time. Well, we can change our mind, you know, and I think that I've, I've opted, I've chose to be happy. Um, I chose to see the, the silver lining. Um, I choose the hardship as a test that this will make me stronger, that I need to suffer to go through this, to understand and appreciate my success if it happens. You know, um, I don't, uh, I, and I think that that's a lot to do with how, um, my, I think that's my, my, my Arab culture. My, 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 my mother's very uh, positive. My grandfather's very positive. I mean, like my grandfather, you know, he lived in exile. They took away everything they could from him. They took away everything. They robbed him of his belongings in his house when they put him in prison. I mean, they put him in prison, you know, this is, and silenced him and took, and, and they only gave him medal, you know, because the Syrians had given him a medal, you know, um, and, and all those years, I mean, I would, I'd see my grandfather and I'm like, you know, Giddo, doesn't it upset you that these officers that are there don't even know who you are and you sacrificed your, for your country? And he tells me a story, but he's like, no, no, uh, you know, you, the truth will come out sooner or later. And, you know, after he dies, he gets the Nile Award from President Morsi, and they name a freeway after him and a mosque, and, and President Sisi, you know, utmost respect, because they know the sacrifice he did and the work he did and how he rebuilt something. But no one ever acknowledged it when he was alive. It was all Sadat. It was all Hosni Mubarak, you know. But, you know, so for me, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you hear people in these... I, I, there's a saying by Johnny Carson, 20% of the people don't want to hear your problems. 80% are glad you have them. So exactly. in my mind, I don't complain. I just try and keep it good. So let's talk about food now that you keep it good. You, you came to Philistine. You shot the show. You spent time here. What, what dish did you take away with you? What's like well, that one Palestinian dish that for you marked you? Okay, I'm a vegetarian. Okay, so even though I had the mukhleya, the the muk muk um, the upside down uh, makhluba, I had the makhluba. I can appreciate it for everything. Um, 
but I think it was the um, the simplicity, the uh, the the freshness, the the, the, com- the compassion of the chef that cooked el um, fatar uh, uh, with uh, zatar, the pizza, and just an amazing Palestinian breakfast. There was something about that. It's like you're. I felt like I'm on a farm. I'm on a farm, and the person's come with like honey from the beehive, and the bread was being baked. He was squashing the olives for the olive oil right there in front of me, and that to me just screamed what food used to be like, the simplicity, and how it brought people together. And I think that when you uh, eat in a country, it's like wine in a country, the tawah. And the tawah is, for me, sitting with loving, kind, generous people that somehow are positive in, 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 in the situation they live in um, and just incredible hospitality. And I'll never forget that. You, you said a magic word, terroir. Our terroir. Uh, is our terroir, any terroir in the world, creates, as soon as you're conscious of what it really means, not only a plot of land, but the real sense of a terroir, it creates this link with the land and with the produce of the land that is beyond anything that we can describe, I think. We're lucky to have a tiny, tiny country that very diverse terroir, you're, when you crossed into the country, you were in the desert. And then half an hour later, you're around Bethlehem, where we're in the mountain, I mean the mountains, we're in the hills with the olive groves, with, with a very different terroir. And then if you, if at the time it was difficult, but if somebody could drive to Gaza, you'd be on the coast and similar to parts of the coast in Egypt. To this very diverse terroir comes into our cuisine, but also into how people see things and i keep saying you know some of our plates and have a bit of palestinian sunshine in them no i i love that i mean I, you know we went we traveled i mean we we're in jericho we we're in bethlehem jerusalem ramallah you know uh, we wanted to see the place i mean it's it's when you're filming you have an agenda you have a schedule um when we went there i think everyone recognized that we can say something a little bit more important. We could do something really important. And that, that energy amongst us, coupled with obviously the generosity and kindness of the Palestinians that, that we met um, throughout. I mean, I didn't have a bad experience, you know. And it's the same thing in Jordan. You go to Jordan, it's like 80% are, are Palestinians. It's like, you know, it used to be called, what, the um, Philadelphia, you know, city of love. And I was like, uh, the director comes up and says, Bobby, I need you to, this is called Philadelphia, the city of love. I need you to go up and hug people. Huh. I was like, really? Yeah. And, I'm, and I'll do it. I mean, I don't, I'm not, to me, that was the excitement of television. I'm going to do things I've never done before and give it a shot. And I walked up and I walked to the person. He was a little upset that he was having an argument over the price of tomatoes or something like that. And he looks at me and I said, hug or hug. And I had my arms wide out for him to hug me. Hub or hug. Uh, was it love and hug and he hugs me and then I did it the next person and the next person and they didn't have to cut it it just went on and on and on and after that I says it speaks volumes of the people and you know uh, and that's that's what I mean 
it's it was it was a, it was one of the trips that I might not have had the greatest comfort, um, but I had the greatest host and great food and and a mission that I thought um, gave me a greater purpose than just being a TV presenter. You know what I'm saying? And after it it it, it was released. What was the reaction of people, like your fans, people who, who who liked it or did like? Did you get a different reaction than than with other episodes of your shows? Yeah, I had more that? hate mail. I had hate mail from Muslims that said, "How dare you call the dome of the rock the the gold one?" Right, and I was like, "Really?" Um, I didn't know. Every single time there's a news thing and we're by the Dome of the Rock, that's the gold one. So I've been misinformed all this time. And so was my, so was my, 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 my producer. And we all thought that that was it. Um, so I had a lot of hate mail from people saying, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer because they turned out to be right. Then there was um, um, hate mail. Um, from, I don't know, uh, pe people that are pro-Israel saying, why don't you stick to food? Um, because in that show, uh, we did um, some stories where we did the olives of the alternative uh, tourism where people pick olives because they won't get shot at because they're tourists, right? Mm -hmm. From the settlers. Yep. Um, we did a story on that. Um, we did a story... Um, of uh, your couscous, um, maftool. So maftool is not known as maftool everywhere else. It's known as Israeli couscous. Yep. And so, um, so, so we went and did a story on maftool, but we did it uh, in an organization, a co-op of women who are making all the maftool because to support their families because their uh, sons husbands, uncles, fathers have been either killed or uh, disabled from the conflict. And so I think that those two, plus I said, whoa, 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 listen, listen, listen. The Israelis are coming and I could hear the F-16s arriving. And it's a sound that if you don't hear on a regular basis, you know, I mean, that's normal for people over there. But for me, I was like, oh my God, you know, I got to get used to an F-16. Like, is, is this the one that drops it on me? I mean, like, what the hell? So those stories were put in. Those stories created conflict for me in, in social media, in, in private messaging. And I felt like, well, it's a good show. <laughs> I got your attention, you know, uh, because a lot of people, you know, I think that, I, I think that, as I say, I was the one that I was most proud of as far as the performance. It's the one I'm really upset. Actually, yesterday, I was chatting with the director and the producer because I've been asked to find all the places I've been in the world. And I couldn't remember where else I've been in Palestine. And so I, I got in touch with them. I said, we should see a call. And they were all laughing about, you know, what a great time we had. And, and then I was like, it's the tragedy is that that show, the best show was never seen by the public. And they're like, I know. And they changed it several times, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's, I, I have a very, very fond memory of, of, of the food uh, and and the people, you know, um, it's a, it's a very special place. Thank you, Bobby. Um, we hope you come back. Inshallah. Inshallah.
But you touched on something that's extremely important to me, which is food appropriation. When our maftur is known as Israeli couscous, and I'm going to link it a bit to what you were saying earlier about the Arabs had bad PR, and that's why you wanted to come to the Middle East um, to do that bit of the show. We have a problem, which is, first, the Israelis have called maftul Israeli couscous, they've called Leban Jamid, which is a dried yogurt, Israeli parmesan, they've, they're trying to claim zatar is Israeli, and so forth. But they also are quite good, and if you look at Israeli chefs abroad, whether it's in London and in New York, or now in Paris more and more, they, they just do our cuisine and call it Israeli. The, the the whole food appropriation aspect is quite important. I think today, even when you you intervene as a judge on a food competition, when you ran your own restaurants and, and opened up the, the, the successful restaurants you had, food origin is extremely important in our trade, in our art. You, you don't use a product if you don't know where it comes from, and you usually try and acknowledge a bit the sourcing of products. The world just seems to have a very funny attitude when it comes to Palestinian food. They either call it Middle Eastern food because it's generic enough that you don't have to wet yourself with the conflict or they just pretend it's okay. It can be, Zatar can be coming from anywhere. But in reality, if you're having a good Palestinian Zatar, you should say it's Palestinian. Like, I mean, that's the stuff which, which is very important to have people like you who are successful chefs and TV personalities come and do this experience because then you know the real story and you can get it out. Right. I think that, like, look, um, you know, Donald Trump said we should be drinking Clorox, okay? You're going to get nitwits that are going to say things. They're going to get backed by, you know, a media or um, a a belief that this is true. We're eventually going to find that it wasn't true, right? That people are going to become more educated that they were deceived into believing something that someone else wanted to sell and market and make it theirs, right? And you're going to get cooperation. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I believe that, that chefs, that when they look at the history and they, they read and, and, they, and, and they go to the source, um, they'll understand. Um, it takes time. Maybe not in our lifetime. Um, but eventually the truth will be told so um they've done i mean like if you talk about uh, atalangi you know atalangi is a great success story because his partner is palestinian everybody wants to see israelis and palestinians side by side right it's the problem is you know i guess i'm not getting too political it's you know it's the policies of a country that you know all of a sudden create a hatred towards the people you know i know i don't and no israeli bothered me you know but i got a problem with their policies you know eventually I believe that the truth will come out and say, this is where this came from, this this came from. It's like people tell me, like, you know, um, we talk about, um, you know, say, Flagwa. Flagwa is ancient Egyptian, you know. Um, the Jews were the ones that used to gavage them, and it's written, it's on the temple walls in Karnak, right? Um, they kept it alive. Um, then people think that all Flagwa comes from France. I'm like, no, it's, the labor costs are too expensive, so they're actually farmed somewhere else. So people start learning and you're going to start having a better understanding of where stuff comes from, where stuff originates from in time. It's because I don't think you can continue to lie for too long. Bobby, let's talk about Bobby a bit. Yeah. (laughs) What's your favorite dish? What that's one dish when Bobby's at home 
that makes you feel comfort, like makes you feel pleasure and comfort? I did not have the pleasure of being grown up as a, a one nationality kid. I was brought up as a multicultural kid and I started traveling at a very early age, probably the age of two or three. And, um, and my, the, my Chinese grandmother was an incredible cook. She made Chinese food that was light, clean, healthy. Didn't understand why her food was so different. I never even questioned it. I just accepted it. My Egyptian grandmother, um, you know, she entertained. So she used to have, you know, quite a huge kitchen and big productions of food. And it was, you know, from the Middle East, North Africa. And then as a kid, um, my parents would take me out to, to dinner and I'd eat everything and anything. I have a comfort towards so many different cuisines that there isn't that one dish. It's my mood. It's like sometimes, you know, I really would like to have a fantastic uh, Indian dish because Indian food became comfort for me when they sent me to English boarding school. And I didn't realize that food could be a horrible experience until I went to England. I was like, oh my God, what is this? Kippers, the hell eats this? It's got bones in it. It's salty, you know? Crumble, rhubarb, they never put sugar in it. So I never really liked it. But I tasted Indian food in England for the first time. I was like, oh my God, I love that. Um, I love Mexican food because I was from San Francisco and that was something I could eat that was cheap, you know, um, and filling for nothing. Um, uh, I find a kanji, the, uh, the Chinese uh, uh, rice that's left over and you cook it with chicken stock or mushroom stock and, or fish stock or whatever. And it's just like a porridge, a little soy sauce and ginger um, cilantro or scallions, you know, I find comfort in that. As much as I find when I come to Egypt, um, I'm on full and palmeya. I can eat feta until I'm until I'm you know until I'm sick. Um, I, I love bamia. I find comfort in the vegetables. There's there's so much out there that I just appreciate so much that I can't do the one thing. I can never do. Bobby, what's your favorite color? You know, I'm like, why do I have to have a favorite color? You know, uh, I, I, I don't know. I like all the colors. What would yellow be without red or black or, you know, the contrasting? I need to have it all. I'm, I don't have, I don't have a singular anything, a singular song, a singular band. Um, you know, I just love, I love, I love life so much that I can't just restrict it to the one thing because I'll get bored of it. And if you ate me the one thing I loved, I would just get bored of it. You give me pizza every single day, I couldn't do it. You know, that's that's the beauty of our world is that yeah. you can discover every day and you can taste every day and things that are different. People that are can can come up with an ingredient, with a recipe, with something that you that'll sway your heart today and, and not tomorrow um, or you wouldn't want to have it every day. But it's that that's the beauty of I think also in what you really summarize it a bit in the beginning, even in, in your upbringing of the multiculturalism you had, whether it's places you lived in, whether it's your family origins, that's what's beautiful about cooking. And, and now that you're in, in your other role as a judge, um, where you're getting all these Arab chefs coming in, is it, is it something that's also feeding the, this, like your knowledge more about different Arab foods and different inter interpretations within this Watan Arabi in, in a very 
large definition of what it is. You know, I'm discovering uh, it's very difficult, to be honest, to be a judge because I don't like judging people. Because as an Egyptian Chinese, I, 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 you know, it, I was the odd kid. It was like 1960s, 70s. It was just like there were no, there, there, there were no duplicates of this model, right? And so because of the show, and I want to be authentic, um, I want to be honest, um, you know, I would go out and look for those uh, and read about their cuisines um, in the Middle East because I've not really spent much time in Saudi Arabia or uh, Khaliji cuisine. It's opened my eyes, but I tell you what opened my eyes even more so, if I, if I may, is that these young chefs have somehow turned their back on their own cuisine thinking that to get the recognition uh, or, or success should be found in French technique, that they need to have this French thing. And it was like, you know, if you, I respect French cuisine. I mean, the Italians did teach them a lot, but, um, you know, I, I, I respect that. I respect Chinese technique. And it's really good to understand the cuisines of other cultures. But to understand your own, I think is a hell of a lot more important because from there, that's where you build. That's where you grow, in my opinion. That, and that's just me. I, I totally agree. I mean, but I think there's a, there are more and more chefs that are doing this. They, they've done like a bizarre... I, I'm one of them. I, I happen to be French and Palestinian, and I did my classes in France, and then I came back to my Palestinian cuisine. But... I think I'm feeling there's more and more of these chefs that are starting to be aware, and, and they're the ones that are doing something fantastic, a bit out out of their own national cuisines, um, the techniques, the, the 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 ingredients, again the terroir, because without your your roots, you're working a, a kitchen that's not yours, that's not yours in the whole symbolic, and I think that the symbolic level is extremely important in in cooking. It's we don't yes. just modify an ingredient and put it on a plate it's way much more than this absolutely i think that like great food like like was i saying it's it's like you know when you ask me for that 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 dish that i'll never forget um it was the, it was that it was a simplicity it was a reflection of what the people eat food should mirror you so if you have a french palestinian background I can understand a French technique. I can understand you putting it, you know, uh, you know, presentation-wise or technique-wise, or using certain types of cuts that wouldn't necessarily find, or or the precision of the cut, right? Where I think Palestinian food is honest and rustic. You know, all of a sudden you can like tweak it. So this is, you know, look at the knife skills of the chef, right? So you can have all that, and it should reflect. Your personality is your character should come out. And if when I, I think that, that when in, in Top Chef is that that's what I always try to put across is because I know that millions of people are watching the show. And this is for people from the region as every single year, I'm seeing the caliber of chefs is improving. And I think that through this is that we're going to ideally get people going to look and say, we're not cooks. You know, respect this profession, right? Mm -hmm. um, we provide mm -hmm. too much to society to be treated or to look be, to be looked down like this. You know, we have an honorable profession. 
We work with the farmers and fishermen, right? You know, we're giving nutrition. In Chinese medicine, uh, the, far, the, the doctor is a farmer. In Western medicine, the doctor is a mechanic, right? So food is, is, is our medicine. And, you know, all that in the realm of who you are, where you're from, can come into some healthy, nutritious food that's creatively presented with ideas that could come from France. But I still feel, you know, adamant that it has to be from who you are. Your own signature, who you are. Exactly. That's, that's what our food world needs more and more. But also your own signature that's being responsible and inscribed within your responsible sourcing, your responsible... You mentioned, the, you know, working with the farmers, with the fishermen. That also has, has started changing, but has changed way more. Where we have a responsibility as chefs towards the fantastic people that we wouldn't exist without the people that are providing these beautiful products. The land. Yeah. The, I mean, it, it's way beyond just, as, as you said, that, that vision of the, the cooks. It's way beyond that. Bobby, thank you for being with us today. I hope we'll have you again in Palestine and on the show. Thank you uh, for having me. It was such a pleasure talking to you this morning.